0: to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the executive director of an apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ and the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. You can find this podcast as well as helpful articles, videos, and other materials on our website, which is utgatwork.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting sites. This weekend we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you so that we can give answer to those who sent us? What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the desert, Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As the story goes, it began in the days of horse-drawn wagons. In truth, no one is exactly sure how it got started, but how it began isn't as important as what it means today. This particular tradition goes on to tell us that as the days grew colder and the snow began to fly, people would swap out the wheels from their wagons for runners, which would serve as skis to allow the wagons to glide over the snowy ground. The wagon wheels would then be stored away until spring, and in some cases they would be hung overhead to keep them out of the way. Eventually, someone decided to decorate the hanging wheels for Christmas, covering them with evergreen branches and even putting candles on them to make them more festive, and thus was born what we know today as the Advent wreath. In time, there would be an evolution to four candles around the wreath, one for each of the four Sundays of Advent. Each week a new candle is lit, with the increasing brightness of the wreath signifying that we are one week closer to the coming of our Lord, when the world would be bathed in the light of our Savior, a light which overcomes the darkness of evil. The Advent wreath thus symbolizes the great anticipation that we share as we await the coming of our Savior. The colors of the candles also have meaning. Three of them are purple, signifying a time of repentance. After all, Advent is a time to repent of our sins and prepare ourselves for the second coming of the Lord. But one candle is rose-colored, and it's that candle that we light on this, the third Sunday of Advent. So why is it rose-colored? It's intended to be a color of joy. Or perhaps more correctly stated, it's a color of joyful anticipation, as we are now about halfway through the season of Advent and moving ever closer to the coming of the Messiah. In fact, This third Sunday of Advent also has a special name, Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete means rejoice, and so this Sunday is also called Rejoice Sunday. We rejoice that the darkness of the world is soon to be overcome by the birth of our Savior. We rejoice that His coming will mark the single most significant moment in all of history, when God determined that it was time to insert His divine self into humanity and provide us a path to salvation. We rejoice that this time in history is so significant that all of time is measured with respect to it, B.C. and A.D., B.C.ing before Christ, and A.D. Anno Domini, meaning the year of our Lord. I think it's appropriate also to rejoice at this halfway point of Advent because there are so many people who struggle and suffer through the holidays, and they need a reason to find joy. Some struggle because the holidays are painful reminders of lost loved ones whose absence is felt ever more painfully in times like this. Others struggle because the holidays bring them face-to-face with family members who they would rather not see, but must painfully endure. But whatever the reason for the suffering that goes on, Gaudete Sunday provides an opportunity to take a time out from the game of life and to reflect on the blessings that we so often overlook. We rejoice that no matter what curveballs life may throw our way, we have a God who loves us beyond what we could ever imagine. In His great love, He sent His only Son to be our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. We rejoice that Jesus Christ in his great love for us gave his life for our sins and rose again for our salvation. We rejoice that we have the constant assistance of the Holy Spirit always at our side, leading and guiding us in all that we do. We rejoice that we've been blessed with parents, grandparents, siblings, spouses, children, and grandchildren. These are the people who often give us our most fond memories of what it means to love and to be loved. Even if they're no longer with us, we rejoice that One day we will see them again in a glorious reunion that will take place in heaven. We rejoice that we have a roof over our heads and food on our tables. We rejoice that we live in a country that is richly blessed and free of oppression. We rejoice that we have friends and neighbors who care for us and have our backs when we need it. And today, in a very special way, we rejoice for the opportunity to work. Now I know, many of you may be thinking that I have lost touch with reality in making that statement, but I do mean it. Way back in the second chapter of Genesis, that is, the second chapter of the entire Bible, God revealed the need for us to work. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God then took the men and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. Yes, from the very beginning, God wired us for work. Pope Francis says this about work. At the end of the day, work anoints a person with dignity. Dignity is not conferred by one's ancestry, family life, or education. Dignity, as such, comes solely from work. We eat what we earn. We support our families with what we earn. It doesn't matter if it's a little or a lot. If it's more, all the better. We can own a fortune, but if we don't work, our dignity plummets. The work that we do doesn't define us, but the way we approach our work does, regardless of what that work may be. Brother Lawrence was an illiterate lay brother who lived in the 17th century in France. His holiness was so well known that, although his work consisted of simple tasks like peeling potatoes, he was asked to dictate his thoughts for the benefit of others. From this came the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. He said, We ought not be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of our work, but the love with which it is performed. And what better way to show our love for God in the workplace and to joyfully live our faith and witness to Christ in the gospel while we're there. But how do we live the life of a joyful missionary disciple? Archbishop Vigneron, in his letter, Unleash the Gospel, tells us that there are six good habits that joyful missionary disciples exemplify. They are apostolic boldness, docility to the Holy Spirit, confidence in God, a spirit of innovation, a spirit of cooperation, and an attitude of gratitude. Here at UTG at Work, we've embraced these six good habits. We believe that they are the key to living one's faith and witnessing to Christ in the gospel in the workplace. In fact, for the first six weeks of the new year, these UTG at Work podcasts and our articles published on our website will speak to these good habits. This will lead us right up into the season of Lent. So stay tuned for more on the six good habits. We also know that even joyful missionary disciples can sometimes struggle to find joy at work. Sometimes we may feel like the hill is too steep to climb, like we simply can't do it. This is understandable. When those times hit, we need to remember that we're not working alone. Jesus is there to work with us. He says, Come to me, all you who labor in are burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. In the spirit of Gaudete Sunday, take a moment to rejoice that whatever burdens you may have, be they work, home, family, health, or whatever, you can overcome them. Jesus Christ, the greatest of all Christmas presents, gives us all the strength and courage we need to overcome our problems. That doesn't mean that everything will turn up rosy. No, it means that if we keep the faith and trust in him, whatever does come our way will ultimately find its resolution in him. And when we find resolution to our problems in the one and only true God who loves us and cares for us, we find peace. And for this, we rejoice. Today, I encourage you to light the pink candle in your own heart, rejoice as you carry the light of Christ within you, and celebrate the fact that no matter how hard life may seem, you're loved beyond measure, and someday you'll find eternal comfort and joy as you rest in the room that's prepared for you in the home of God the Father. So, happy Gaudete Sunday. May the love of Christ, which is beyond all understanding, fill your heart with love and keep the flame of the pink candle ablaze in your life forever. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.